Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, aliens and DMT entities alike, I would like to welcome you to Portland, Oregon. Max Depth coming at you, not live, but I'm live right now. I'm alive, and I feel alive, and I'm lucky to be alive. And that's the truth. I'm not going to lie to you. So the, que the question, the reason why I'm making this video right now is because I can't get this, this one question out of my head. It's actually like 500 questions bundled into one, and I'm not going to be able to articulate it on my first try. And no one else is going to be listening to this, so it's perfect. So I can, I can take the time to try to articulate it. It's, it goes something like this. It's given that I know the world is random, absurd, tragic, uh, not really what I think it is, all of those combined and multiplied, factorialized together, race to, the, race to their own power, the fastest growing exponential and n raised to the n, my favorite, my favorite uh, graph. How do I function as a what I perceive a free, free acting agent in this world where I expect there to be so much tragic and randomness and shit that I don't understand to happen, things that aren't supposed to happen? How, how am I supposed to function when I know that it's all, all so out of my control? That's it. How do I function as an agent where it appears like I have some control, but in reality I know for a fact I don't have control? And then you're like, well, I do have some control. Like, I walked out here and I decided to make this, and I could not have made this. But then, like, was I always going to make this? No. I so easily could have not made this podcast I'm referring to, make this video. And I kind of get stuck here. Because I keep, I, I know for a fact that this world is not exactly what I think it is. But it's so damn beautiful, why do I even care? That's the thing, like, it seems like knowing that we're living in a four-dimensional uh, four world embedded in an 11-dimensional world, so I know I'm not getting a real picture of what it is, I feel like that doesn't help me at all, even though it's true. So am I searching for, as, as the philosopher in me is trying to look for the truth, but the businessman in me is being, is being shown that the truth doesn't really matter all that much. Practicality matters. And so who cares that I know, that I know this? Who cares that I know that what I'm seeing is not actually what it is? Who, who cares... Who cares that I know that I only have five senses, but there's more s s sensory input to be processed if I had more? There's more out there than what I'm able to than what I'm able to understand. But that information gives me almost no practical utility. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, I could make a video about it, ranting on the internet for zero people to watch. 
that that could be the first thing I would do probably. And then the next thing I would do is probably have breakfast and forget and forget about it for a little while. And then I would see a red sparrow in my in the book that I'm writing. There's a the red sparrow comes up, and I don't really know what it's supposed to mean. It's just a just a cool little thing that that happened once. So I figured I'd throw it in there, and it reminds me of my grandpa. But like when I when I see a red sparrow coincidentally today, is that gonna just be like what is that? What is that gonna mean? I don't know. I want like max depth is supposed to be like how am I supposed to balance it to be a place for truth and a place for practical utility? I mean, I guess I can just have podcasts. I mean, I guess that's that's the that's the paradox that everyone faces. The truth isn't really. I mean, oh, fuck. I mean, I guess knowing that this world, is, like, I am somewhat detached from the world, and I can say that I'm not as invested in this world. As some other people are. Like if something happens, anything happens, I'm more likely to be in the middle of the spectrum in how I would react to it. You know what I mean? Either good or bad. So I wouldn't get unbelievably excited if something good happened, as like compared to other people. I wouldn't get so, so upset by something bad happening. So that's kind of, that's useful. Because what good does all that reaction do? But it's also so human. That's like those spikes, those ups and downs. Because I'm detached, am I missing something? I think every time I try, I try to think about this, I just come to, back to the fact that like I'm going to go out in the world and none of it's going to really matter. I'm gonna, I could talk to people about it, but the most I would ever get out of it is an interesting conversation. But then again, that's all I want. All I want is that interesting conversation. So I guess I just have to keep thinking about it, but that's kind of where I'm at. Like this, the character K in my book, he's, he says he's stuck in a, an in-between place where he knows that the world he lives in is not the real world and not the world people perceive it to be, but he doesn't know what the hell to do with that information. Like, what do you do with that information? I have no clue. This book that I'm reading, Why Buddhism is True, the Willa got me, thank you, Will. It's, it was talking about, like, mm-hmm. like, our sensory, basically the, like, evolutionary ways in which our like sensory cognition is wrong I don't know something like that and it's kind of what I'm talking about like he's talking he's talking about like feelings being an illusion to, to some degree and the world being a, an illusion to some degree and he poses the same exact question that I'm asking what do you do when you know that the world is not entirely what it seems like I just don't know what to do with that I guess I should just 
be grateful that I am able to know that. Like, it all comes back. I guess every answer comes back to gratitude. Because what else is there? An appreciation. Like, I don't want to get so worked up over these questions, but like, it's my job. I'm supposed to be trying to figure out what this world is. Another problem I've been having that every human has ever had, whether they realize it or not, is that I can't even come close to wrapping my head around around how big our solar system is, how far away the sun is, let alone, let alone the how big the galaxy is, how far apart galaxies are, the absurd size of our own galaxy, and then realizing that our own galaxy is just a medium-sized galaxy amongst an infinite sea, well, basically, because, I mean, a billion, a few billion galaxies, I can't, I mean, hundreds of billions of galaxies, I can't imagine that. And the fact that space-time is actually, the fabric of space-time is actually moving faster than the speed of light. That was a mind-boggling fact. The fabric of reality is stretching apart, moving, pushing faster than the speed of light. And so it doesn't violate what Einstein said, nothing can move faster than the speed of light. Because it's not, it's not something, it's the fabric of reality. It's, not, it's no matter. I wonder what the fabric of reality is. Because there's two... I was reading a really cool article about how string theory and loop quantum gravity are two sides of the same coin. That was pretty interesting and I never thought about it. Because... And I also thought loop quantum gravity function uh, was like predicated on having higher dimensions, but I guess it isn't. But the idea that all space is quantized, like quantized, basically means like I think of it as like little chunks, in like the smallest piece, the smallest volumes you can imagine, or whatever, how many ever dimensions we have. I don't know what what word would equate would be equivalent to a volume in like eight dimensions that's funny um that the world is broken up in these tiny tiny 10 to the negative 25th size chunks and so is time or that it's vibrating strings i don't know how those seem like they butt heads a little bit But either way, it's, it's interesting to think about because we don't see that. That's what I'm talking about. Like, the world is not what we perceive. Like, those are some of the best leading theories. Like, at least Einstein's theory of relativity, you can say that... You can, you can make the claim that it's felt in our world because bigger masses warp space-time a little bit and pull other human beings and resources and creatures in towards them. That's money, money brings in more money. And that's the same thing with stars and, I mean, everything. That's why, like, time dilation, when you, bring, you go, come close to a massive body, gets warped because, it, like, the actual fabric of space-time is being pulled in toward this more massive, massive object. And it's the same thing in the real world. 
but like, I don't see quantum mechanics happening in our world. I don't see, it's, it's like these things that you can't see, even if they're there, why should they matter to you? Is it because I'm on a search for the truth? I guess, yeah. They have to matter if I'm looking for the truth. So I can say that, like, what what good does knowing that we're living in, we're, that what I'm interacting with is a low resolution, a, a resolution image of of reality? I can say what good does that do, but it actually does do me some good because I can see, because it allows me to see. It allows me to not take all this so seriously. And I, ne I don't think I ever really took, eh, no, I did. In like eighth grade, I was taking things pretty seriously. Like all that posting on social media, trying so hard, trying to impress people, trying to be something I'm not. Thank God I got out of that stage because a lot of people are still stuck there. And it is fucking gross to see, not in a good way gross. Like I usually use gross. It's like, I, it's, it's difficult to talk about certain things because I don't want to sound lofty. So I'm, I'm really just like not, but it's like, it's just like embarrassing because no one cares. People want you to be your most, most authentic self according to what I've seen and according to what I found. Like I love genuine people who just do not give a fuck and are just there or who are just themselves and don't, and don't care what everyone else thinks. They don't, they're unapologetic about it. It's just so refreshing in a world where everyone has such like a, their persona is so evident. I guess since I don't really know where to go from here, I could go into the parts of myself that I've, could I say that I've recognized them? Yes. I can definitely say that. I can say with confidence that I've recognized the pieces that Jung has laid out in myself and kind of discovered them. But then again, did they, did they not appear as I learned what Jung said about them? Like, did they really exist there before? Or was, is this world such a narrative that as I took in the information about what Jung said and I like looked up to him so much, that, or I thought he was so cool, maybe, that, that they, like, manifested themselves in my subconscious and was able to, and made me to think that I discovered them for myself. But no one else asks, asks that question. Everyone else thinks they just, that it either was, they don't take the time to, to think. Maybe it's another way. That's a problem. People, like, it's so easy to have an explanation for something or a big thing that you think explains something, and then just leave it there. And there's like, all right, day's work done. I don't need to come back to this. You can put this one aside and work on something else. But no, that work isn't done. You have no, it's not right. You have no clue. There's still more work to be done. There's always more questions to be asked. You're never finished. Okay, sorry, always tangential. Never can stay on topic. But I definitely recognize 
uh, the shadow, the persona, the ideal or the self, the the anima. I'll admit it. Of course, you have to. You have to admit it because it's true. You have to admit it because it's true. And definitely my ego. Those are the five pieces that I identify with. But also, I, I understand the hell out of the old uh, the old wise man archetype at the sitting at the top of the mountain. That's but the the old man arch, uh, the old wise man archetype is equivalent to the self or like the Christ uh, image in my mind. Those two things are very similar, if not the same. Like. The, the the self is probably, I think you wanted it to be the most, like the all-encompassing piece. But really for me, well, I guess the self would be the unified version of whatever you're talking about. But, I'm sorry, for people that don't know about like Jung and the archetypes and like the individuation process, you should do some reading because you're not, not going to understand anything I'm saying. This sucks, but it's whatever. Um... So go do reading and come back, because it's fun to think about. But the ideal is like this totally integrated, perfect human being. And so is Christ, and so is the old wise man at the top of the mountain, in my head. And so I guess that's what I'm moving towards. Like, I, al I, I always think like, oh, like, do I need goals? And, jo and then Jordan Peter said, of course confirms me right say that like no not really well I mean yes in the short term but you have to the, the key is to align yourself in a certain direction and that's what I feel like I do really well and I've and I've always thought that and just not been able to articulate it so well I am aligned in the right direction I'm moving towards something that I know is good because I've thought about it so damn hard I've taken the shrewd businessman that was my grandfather and tried to integrate it with the the Taoist Buddhist chill rag wearing man that ch that posts up talks to the moon all day the 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 Zarathustra before he came down in the cave it's come it's the it's my job to combine the the sage and the practical because that's those are the two those are the two halves of me those are the two halves of me fighting for control it's the part that like wants to renounce everything and say that like money is nothing and that this this world is nothing and that I just want to be by myself and live in the forest and just meditate all day and read and not and write and but then also the part of me that wants to have a real practical effect on a world that, like, I was thinking this morning, what can I do? Like, the question that everyone should ask themselves and that I was asking myself this morning was, what am I best suited for? That's one. You could, you could pursue what you're best suited uh, Oh, well, no, not what you're best suited for, if, in this case. Hold on for a sec. What you enjoy the most combined with what you're best suited for and what the world needs you needs right now what the world needs right now solutions to problems what you enjoy and what your strengths are what your natural strengths are it's finding common ground between those three that is what you want to pursue 
because it's combining all the all the most important pieces together. Because you're going to be passionate about it. If you if if you if you're able to find something that combines the three, you're going to be able to. How can I say that most concisely? You're going to be able to live a meaningful life and at the same time change the world. Because I think that, being, that changing the world doesn't necessarily bring you happiness and, well, no, it would definitely bring you fulfillment. Right, because you would see that you're having a positive effect in the world. Another crazy thing, those writers, Kafka, Nietzsche, I think it was Kierkegaard maybe, they all are just giants, in my mind at least, and yet no one either knew about them, read them, acknowledged them, gave them any praise, gave them any love at their time for the work that they were doing. And that is crazy to think. That's why I'm okay. That's like why I'm, well, I'm not. See, like, I would love to get some recognition for writing and for the podcast that I'm doing. And I know I will eventually. That's the thing. I know I will eventually. But those people didn't. That's the crazy thing. Nietzsche knew how good he was and still didn't get the recognition. Like, he was like, damn, you guys are, he must have been thinking, I don't know if, yeah. He must have been thinking, you guys are slow. You guys are too damn slow to even get what I'm talking about. It's going to take 50 to 100 years, and fuck, he was right. Because now we're reading him, and we're like, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? God is dead, and we have killed him at the time he said it? Oh, that's so good. It's so good. Because it's, so tr- because it's true. It's good. Ah, I love that. It's good because it's true. Christ said, the truth will set you free. In a way, I already feel free. I think that's just because I'm an 18-year-old kid that just got into a good school and has money and like lives a really good life that I feel free. How do I... How do I... Hmm... It's a really bold question to ask. (coughs) How do I create something like the Bible or like, or re-simulate the story of the Buddha and myself in our world today that is authentic to me and as consequential and hopefully even more beneficial than those events. That is hard, that is difficult to do, but it's what I'm trying to do. It's cool to see, like, in my, it was really awesome to see in my story that I was able to touch on those same, like, foundational pillars that were in the Bible. Like, there's order at the beginning of my story for the first page, (laughs) albeit there's a tiny speck of order. And then, like Dan Harmon said, throw them into a situation, throw your characters into a situation, see how they react and let it, let it unfold, which is an awesome way to think about writing or anything, because that's all, that's what real life is. You walk into a room and something happens and you're thrown into a new situation. You got to see how the characters react. You don't know what's going to happen. 
That's a fun part. You can experiment and try new things and get creative with it. <coughs> but then from the order, this absurdity, life's absurdity hit, hits you, punches you in the face, knocks you out. Say so you have one month to live. Arbitrarily one month. Why did I choose that? Because it's an it's a, a easy thing. Because I don't know. Why did anyone why does anyone choose anything? You got you have one month to live. What are you gonna do now? You can't leave. You're trapped in your own head. You're trapped in this town. You have nothing you're you're you don't have any choice. How am I gonna react to that? I'm gonna go crazy. I'm stuck here, I'm gonna be shot if I leave. There's people watching me now. Okay, I guess I'll have to take your word for it. I'm not, I, mean, I don't want to die early, or maybe I do. I don't know. Do I mean, am I going to kill myself before the month comes up? Am I going to drive myself insane? No. 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 It doesn't matter how long life is. That's the point of the story. You can live... Well, I mean, it's, it, it's both... I mean, I don't really show that in the story, but it's supposed to be that you can live a full life in however small amount of time. I mean, you can you can live a life right now. That's what that's probably my biggest skill is having pretty well. Uh, what's her name? Madame Beauvoir. Madame, Madame Beauvoir in the book says, "Even if I tell myself I am evil, I am evil." Is that truly integrating the shadow, or is that just pretending? And is pretending the same thing? No. I guess if you pretend for a long enough time, you'll be able to. It'll, something meaningful will come out of it, but it's like, how do I know how far I've gone already? How, where am I in this, in this journey? Are there even, is there even time and place in this journey? Because I know those are just human, like, constructs, because I don't, because time isn't really it's kind of just like a big blob of everything all happening at once. A different... It's so hard to, hard to talk about the things that I want to talk about. That's why I love the first words of the Tao Te Ching so much, is because I know that other people have struggled with this too. They pro those first words probably weren't there from the very beginning. They probably tried to write it all out explain explain things in their in their like view their philosophy and then came to the realization that I can't say dick without sounding like a complete idiot because it makes one one it makes no sense and two the words that I have feel insufficient for what I'm trying to say even like like my thoughts are much more clear and art and concise and articulate and packed with meaning than the words that come out of my mouth. But still, like, I know there would be more, like, if I was able to reach, like, either have more, have more senses or a bigger compute power. But I gotta be gr grateful for this thing that allows me to at least think that I'm able to self-reflect, and I am. That's Descartes' thing. I, I, I self-reflect and I think, and I do all of this work, and I know that I exist in relation to all this other stuff. And I think so hard about it, so I have to exist if I'm doing all that. Right? 
could I not exist given all that? Because it's like, what does exist even mean? Like, would a person in a would a person in the tree, the simulation, the, sim the simulation under the tree exist? Mm, are they real or are they not? They're simulations with certain levels of consciousness somehow, because it's a story and I can do whatever the fuck I want in a story. But do they exist is an interesting question. And that is what, not Alyosha, Lee, the younger brother, basically Alyosha, or what's the other one, Petia, Petia, the other, the, one of the three brothers that hasn't done anything yet. Or, or Lao's dead brother, that's a secret that you'll never know. Lao has a younger dead brother who is supposed to be, well, I don't know, he can if you want him to. If you want him to have it, because it's cool. It's like, Kay's building these worlds. But I somehow want to, at the end, get him to come back and sneak through and sneak into the tree in one of the worlds that he created. So how can I, like, keep... How can that make any sense? Because we have to go... We have to come, I guess the narrator would have to shift from speaking like objectively about Kay's movements as I, as I put it for whatever reason, to slightly more Kay's like, Kay's narrative, like what Kay thinks. Cause Kay's going to die, he's gonna be shot, but only in a way because in his head, he's going to have entered the tree. So how do I... So the story has to switch a little bit. That's why I would be sick if the narrator was K. Because I would be able to make that shift and it would totally reframe the story and make you think like, whoa, this guy is so narcissistic and so, so full of himself. Our, our beloved heroic little boy like broad-shouldered K and it's K the one talking about himself that would be funny but like <coughs> I don't know how to make him the narrator because he's gonna die and I don't want there to be too many there's already so many stories within stories here I can always go sto more stories within stories but I have a hard time pulling back and making it more simple and that's the problem I wanted this all my writings are supposed to be, or like how I, oh, supposed to be, what the fuck does that mean? Okay, am I trying to contain myself at 18 years old to a certain type of writing? No. <clears throat> but I think that, like, Nietzsche's writings are a little bit, I like the spoke Zarathustra, well, because it's the only one I've read, but also, like, in, even in it, I know that that's the most narrative most story-like of his books, or from what I've read it is, but still there are parts in there that are just like rants, that are just like long monologue soliloquy type things. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Yeah, she's here. Beautiful, good to see you. Beautiful day. 
love life. That's the number one rule of everything. Some guy down there. Our downstairs. <coughs> Where was I? Just like how Lao is on this search for the mountain, but it's not really the mountain he's, he's, that, that matters. It's the journey, obviously, because it's never the destination, it's the journey. That Hallmark card ask fucking line my dad always uses. It's true. It's why it's a Hallmark card. Kinda. Because it really is not the, not the destination, it's the journey, because neurologically, because the dopamine you get, I, I thought it was interesting that you get, the dopamine is created from thinking about reaching, or thinking about eating the donut for the easy metaphor, or about, or thinking, of, or longing to reach the mountain. And that actually getting to the mountain will last an arbitrarily long, a short, num short number of seconds and then it'll be gone, and then you'll ha say, okay. Like, I, I went on this long-ass journey. If you weren't living in the moment, and you were always thinking about the future, and you were always thinking about the feeling of reaching the top of the mountain, and you're going through this journey, and you're pissed off, you're like hiking, you're slashing through the woods, you're going through all, you're doing all this stuff, you're going, you're going on this journey, and your only thing is trying to get to the top of the mountain, then once you reach the top of the mountain, for one singular second, you're gonna be like, damn, I did it. And then the very next second, you're gonna be like, all right, what now? Dick, you have nothing left. You did the one thing you were so happy, you were so intent on. And so I guess the cycle continues and you pick a new mountain. But it's like, okay, that's good. That's fine. Journey reach the top of the mountain, or so, sorry, way longer to take to reach the top of the mountain. You gotta go on a giant journey. It could take so long and it'd be so brutally difficult. So you go on this hard journey, like these sections of life, and you finally get to the top of the mountain. And then you descend into the depths, look within yourself, what matters, what are you best suited for, what does the world need? Then you start a new journey and it's even harder than the last one. But eventually you'll reach the, the top of the mountain and you'll see, and you'll see with clarity for a brief, the briefest second about everything. And it'll, be an, and it'll be amazing. But you've missed so far in that, say, say that whole, those two things each took 10 years, so you're 20 years into this thing. And you've seen two seconds worth of beauty at each of the mountaintops. But you could have had 20 years worth of beauty if you had just been here right now. 20 years of beauty versus two seconds. Two seconds versus two years. 20 years. Two seconds versus 20 damn years. And you have the power I have the power to decide which of those outcomes is going to be true to me. And I want it to be the 20 years. 
I'm so grateful for this life. I'm so lucky. I'm so unbelievably lucky. It's ridiculous. It pisses me off how lucky I am. Because it's like, why do I deserve it and not other people? Other people have good lives, sure. Some people have bad lives. But I have what I found to be objectively the best life. And it's like, so yeah, obviously I feel a little bit... What, how, do you, how would you put like a deity in adjective in like deitish, deitish, uh, just because the random chance favored me so much. It would be, it's like, it's that, it's the same feeling as if you rolled 56s in, di in, in dice. Like, yeah, it's possible, but how, fu how damn unlikely is it? Yeah. So it's like, it's so unlikely that my life is the way it is but it's still true because I'm experiencing it. It's like, it doesn't even make sense. It shouldn't be this good. Like I should, that's why like I have such a weird relationship with suffering and struggle because I don't have any real suffering or struggle built into my life. So it's like, I naturally think that suffering might be a, like a prerequisite to finding meaning because I don't know why I think that really why do I think that suffering is necessary for finding meaning oh well because it's the it's the journey like the journey is wrought with suffering it's filled with suffering like you have to I mean maybe that implies that I'm not doing anything that consequential or that big because I'm not the dragon hasn't showed up yet I had to, I had to whoa no one else is going to understand this because it's all in my own head but <clears throat> the dragon hasn't shown up yet I had to look up what a dragon looks like and, and copy it and write about it from, from what I saw it wasn't within me. The dragon hasn't shown up for me yet. Like I haven't, I haven't been tasked with slaying the dragon yet. And that's like, that's the whole point is to slay the dragon. So I'm in this like ordered, ordered way and I should, I should just like appreciate the order that is my life, but also like I'm preparing. That would, that would be meaning, that would be a good way to endow my non-suffering life with meaning. Would be to think of it as, all of this is preparation. It's real, it's the game, you're here, preparation is part of it. It's not like there's some far off thing, it's right now, I'm I'm, but I'm preparing for something. Like that would give me meaning, so I'm not just, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm at the same time Preparing to slay the dragon, which will build the discipline into my life. But I'm also aiming, although I'm also understanding that one day I will slay the dragon, and that event, and then and that I'll reach the top of the mountain, and then I'm aiming towards that perfect. I'm aiming at perfection. Inside of myself, I'm aligning myself on a on a track towards perfection.
And on that track is built these tasks that I'm gonna have to complete. And it's so narrative and it's so human, but it's a, it's a good way for me to think about it personally, I feel like. I'm on this journey and all this shit is gonna be thrown in my face. But I know, just like that I know that this podcast is eventually gonna be successful, because I do know it is, and I know that eventually I'm gonna be able to, that I'm gonna have in, however much money I wanna have, and the yachts and Ibiza and the girls and, and everything, I'm gonna have everything. I know that already, so it's like I'm not stressing about it. Which is another cool thing, like I know that this podcast is gonna be successful, it, like uh, Yvonne the dad in the book go, it says like uh, he says he's not worried about he's not worried he's not too worried about the uh, this message that his son's gonna be killed in one month because he in his heart believes that it will all come to a complete closure beneficial for them and all that's necessary to do is take the proper steps towards it like, I know that eventually I'm going to reach that arbitrary, perfect place. But that, that perfect place isn't going to give me exponentially more meaning or more happiness than where I am right now. That I will only be able to get to that person place, that perfect place, by tackling all these obstacles, but also by appreciating the fact that I'm even able that I get the chance to tackle these obstacles that's a good that's the way to frame it you're gonna go through hardship but you're lucky you're lucky the whole time you're lucky to be able you're lucky to be able to do anything because you could not be that's the thing you could just not exist and you would not just you would just never nothing nothing immaculately nothing Absolutely, completely nothing. No atoms, nothing. Dick. But you do exist. So it's like fucking hooray. Hooray, you exist. Celebrate your own, celebrate life. Celebrate the fact that you can think and that you're conscious. That's why I think and write and want to do this. It's in celebration of the fact that we are alive and that I'm able to do it. God. So meaningful. Life is meaningful if you make it meaningful. It's your relationship to it. It may not have meaning embedded in it. You may just be a soup of atoms that somehow, that may or may not actually be conscious. You just think you are whatever. Whatever it is, this random giant galactic universal random soup of different elements and atoms. Doesn't matter if, it, if that is meaningful or not. Truly, it doesn't because you create your own world. So it's your relationship to that. It's your relationship to that acknowledgement that has the potential to birth a truly meaningful life.
It's like Jordan Peterson says, set your room in order. Or if you have a drawer, let's make it even easier. So you have a corner of your room that's a little unorganized. Start with that. And maybe start with the easiest part of your room. Maybe start, of the, start of the, with the books that are out of order, what you've been meaning to do that you know you need to do in your room to clean it up. Make your bed first, yeah. So that's why, that's why he leads with make your bed, because it's the easiest thing. Make your bed first, then set your room in order, which takes some time, maybe a few hours a day, depending on how unorganized it is. Then set your house in order. And then you're able to go out in the world and you, well, well, one, you've done something already. You've done something practical and, and good and full of meaning if you make it. The reason why I started, thought, started thinking about this make your bed, make, uh, set, your, set your room in order before tackling the world is because, in a way, by doing that podcast, doing this, talking to, talking out, flushing out ideas, bringing stuff up, highlighting, deleting bad pieces, combining it all together into a, per- and a, into a perfect one sentence. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like I took a massive block of nonsense bubbling around inside my head, and I highlighted key portions, and I crossed stuff out, and I underlined and circled certain words, and I combined it all together into the perfect sentence. And I put a period at the end and closed it. So like already... If I do nothing else today, I've like I've set my mind in order in a way. Like that's how I feel right now. I feel so put together because I just went on that long crazy rant. And in a way, the long crazy rant actually created more order even though at the time it felt so chaotic. I feel so put together now because I flushed out. I I had the discipline and dexterity to, is dexterity even the right word or that just sounds cool? I had the discipline to fight the dragon of the chaos that was happening inside my mind. I couldn't sleep so I got up and I did something about it. I made this video. And if I do nothing else today, at least I did this, right? I've already accomplished, accomplished something and it's 10 a.m. It's not even like something. It's a beautiful day. I've already told someone how, I mean, I love life. I've, I've set things in order, it feels like. I feel great. And so if I do nothing else today, at least I can be proud of this. That's like why I exercise first thing in the morning, which I don't, don't do often, but I love the idea of it because you, you, you get to check something off, something meaningful. You can put a big check mark right there before the day really even starts before you get in the office before you go to school you've already done something fantastic something meaningful something great and you go out in the world with so much more confidence knowing that you've already achieved something like you're good dude you don't have to stress so much now because like you can be confident knowing that you already crushed something. You're good. You don't need to worry now. You can have more goals and you can crush more things, but you've already done this. You've already done something difficult and you're able to do more difficult things in the future 
and you're going to be able and it's going to be tough but you've gotten through tougher things more difficult and more tough things in the past and so you're going to be able to get through whatever you're facing now you're going to and it's going to be great have a fucking awesome few days few hours until i make the next one of these maybe i want to i don't know if i'll even post it but god If there is one, as Leda says, thank you. Thank you. That's what I say every at the end of all my journal: peace, love, and thanks. Something like that. Max out. Because there's so much to be thankful for, and people resonate with that. People see that, and they're like, "Damn, yeah." Thank you for saying thank you. Or at least I, li I would like to think that they do. So go out in the world and be great. And be grateful. Be great and grateful. That's the practical and the sage. The two, the two hateful halves are reconciled at last. And all it took was a little bit of discipline. And a little bit of deep thinking. So thank you. I appreciate you. Max, I appreciate you. I see you. But I see that you're also nothing, and that you're not the center of the universe, and that there's eight billion other people, maybe more, maybe less, that are having the same, same type of things as you are. They're going out in the world, and they're gonna, they're gonna go tackle it. They're gonna go f slay their own dragons. And I'll probably never meet, and I'll never meet the gigantic majority of them. And that's why each person I meet is awesome. Because that I know that I could have met anyone and that I'm meeting you. I'm finished. Thank you. Love you.